welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, protector of those who hope in you, without whom nothing has firm foundation, nothing is holy. Bestow in abundance your mercy upon us, and grant that with you as our ruler and guide, we may use the good things that pass in such a way as to hold fast even now to those that ever endure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second book of Kings. A man came from Baal-shalisha, bringing Elisha the man of God, bread from the first fruits, twenty barley loaves, and fresh grain in the ear. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. But his servant replied, How can I serve this to a hundred men? Give it to the people to eat, he insisted. For the Lord says this, They will eat and have some left over. He served them, they ate and had some left over, as the Lord had said. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. All your creatures shall thank you, O Lord, and your friends shall repeat their blessing. They shall speak of the glory of your reign and declare your might, O God. The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. The eyes of all creatures look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open wide your hand, grant the desires of all who live. The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. The Lord is just in all his ways, and loving in all his deeds. He is close to all who call him, who call on him from their hearts. Thanks be to God. The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to lead a life worthy of your vocation. Bear with one another charitably, in complete selflessness, gentleness, and patience. Do all you can to preserve the unity of the Spirit by the peace that binds you together. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were all called into one, and the same hope when you were called. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God who is Father of all, through all, and within all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. A great prophet has appeared among us. God has visited his people. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went off to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or of Tiberias, 
and a large crowd followed him, impressed by the signs he gave by curing the sick. Jesus climbed the hillside and sat down there with his disciples. It was shortly before the Jewish feast of Passover. Looking up, Jesus saw the crowds approaching and said to Philip, Where can we buy some bread for these people to eat? He only said this to test Philip. He himself knew exactly what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii would only buy enough to give them a small piece each. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, There's a small boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what is that between so many? Jesus said to them, Make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there, and as many as 5,000 men sat down. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and gave them out to all who were sitting ready. He then did the same with the fish, giving out as much as was wanted. When they had eaten enough, he said to the disciples, Pick up the pieces left over so that nothing gets wasted. So they picked them up and filled twelve hampers with scraps left over from the meal of five barley loaves. The people, seeing this sign that he had given, said, This really is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, who could see they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, escaped back to the hills by himself. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it might not appear so at first glance, but in actual fact, what Jesus is doing here in feeding the 5,000 is structurally the same as what happens at each Mass. Now, there's a lot of symbolism, so, you know, let's dive in and explore what the Apostle John is showing us. The first detail to notice about the Gospel today is that there's a large crowd that's following Jesus. There's a kind of magnetic quality about him. They all come to see him, to be healed, to be taught, even just to be close to him. It's amazing. The point here is that Jesus has this great gathering force about him. He calls and gathers them together. He attracts. He unites. And, you know, when we go to Mass, you know, we just have to look around. and We can see this great gathering force at play. We can see this great gathering force at play. Uh, though tragically, not this Sunday. <laughs> but notice too where he is. Jesus' location isn't an accident. He's on a hillside. Now, in the Jewish imagination, this is filled with meaning. The Israelites encountered God on mountaintops. Moses, Mount Sinai. Ezekiel and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Jesus is transfigured on a mountain. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount on the hilltops around the Sea of Galilee. And perhaps most importantly, Jesus is crucified on top of a hill just outside Jerusalem. Hills are incredibly important because they are where humanity ascends toward God and God descends towards humanity. And the Mass we celebrate every Sunday, indeed every day, is figuratively on top of a mountain. Because this is the place where humanity encounters God. We enter into that liturgical space where we raise our minds toward God. 
And, you know, during the Mass, the, the priest exhorts the faithful, lift up your hearts. And it's God himself who descends upon the altar. And so in the liturgy, we're in a mountainous kind of space where God and humanity come together. Then what does Jesus do? He sits down and gets the disciples to sit down too. Now, I think we've kind of lost the sense of what that means a little bit, but this is the posture of the teacher. For us these days, we're more accustomed to seeing the teacher standing at the front, uh, in front of a podium or a lectern, and the students would be sitting either at desks or you know, in a tiered lecture theatre. But in ancient times, the teacher would be seated and the students, the disciples, would be on the ground around the master's feet. That's where the saying comes from, you know, learning at the feet of the master. That's what we do in the mass. We come together, we enter that liturgical space of the encounter with God, and then we sit and are taught by the master. This is the liturgy of the word. You see, the readers aren't just reading something out, you know, just in case you might find it interesting. No, we're like the crowds sitting at the feet of Christ, and he is teaching us. Isn't it interesting that at the Liturgy of the Word, you know, we don't just give out a text and say, okay, everyone, now's the time to read the first reading, and then we all kind of, you know, bury ourselves in our books. Okay, who's done? Who's done? Everyone done? Okay, let's move on. So, no, 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 no. There's something about the proclamation of the Word that in speaking it out loud... There's an action that's coming about. There is voice that's given to the word of God. And God is truly present. The voice proclaims the word. And the Lord now speaks to us. There's something a little bit anonymous about a book, right? Anyone can pick it up and read it. And the author doesn't really have any control over who reads it. But a spoken word always comes from a someone and is addressed to a someone. And how fitting it is then that the word of God is given voice because it is God himself who addresses his word to us. It's not generic. It's not just that, you know, we happened to find the Bible and decided to read a little bit from it. No, here is what God is saying to us. And especially in the gospel, here is what our Lord Jesus is teaching us. Just like the crowds, they encounter Jesus in his voice. We encounter Jesus now in the liturgy of the word. And like the crowds are seated on the grass, so too are we seated hearing his saving teaching. Even the priest's homily should be a moment of explaining and attending to the word of God. Um, <laughs> sometimes that depends a little bit on the quality of the homily. And there's this wonderful moment in the gospel where Philip notices that the people are hungry. Now, according to the stats, we're the sixth fattest nation in the world. So perhaps today's crowds are not exactly hungering after food quite so much. But it has a deeper meaning. Our place in the narrative is to be among those who are hungering. But our hunger is for something deeper. 
more existential. Our lives are marked by a tremendous hunger for meaning, for sense in our lives. Our desire and thirst is for happiness and joy. And it doesn't matter how fat Australia actually gets, this is the great yearning of all humanity. And all too often we seek to fill this craving with junk, with power, with money, with pleasure, with honour. 200 denarii is not enough to satiate this human hunger. We can't simply manufacture our own joy. No, we need to receive it as a gift. And ultimately, the hunger that we have is a hunger for God. So Andrew gets the bright idea. Five loaves, two fish. A pittance for sure in comparison to the crowds. But Jesus tells them, look, give them to me. Put the loaves and fish in my hands and I will feed the people. Now, look at what we do at Mass. We really have a meagre amount of bread and wine brought forward. Certainly not enough to satiate our earthly hunger. But the priest, acting in the very person of Christ, says, look, give them to me. It's a paltry amount, but give them to me. There's the offertory procession. Now, we can't miss the significance of what Jesus does next. He takes the bread, gives thanks, breaks it, and gives it to his disciples. And this is exactly what the priest does during the Mass. He acts in the person of Christ. It really is Jesus himself who says, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body. And so the priest takes these insignificant elements of bread and wine and he changes them into something that will satisfy the hunger of the human heart. This great search for meaning that is so pervasive of the human experience, this great desire for joy and happiness that always seems just beyond our grasp, it's precisely that hunger which is nourished in the Eucharist. The miracle of multiplication that Jesus performs for us at Mass isn't a miracle of numerical multiplication. It's a multiplication of meaning, a multiplication of holiness. Because what was once bread and wine, those elements that couldn't satisfy the crowds, become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The great, true bread come down from heaven. Now we hear that the remainder... What's left over mustn't be wasted. And so it's gathered up. And we do the same. At the end of Holy Communion, we take up that which is left of the Eucharist and we place it in the tabernacle. What do we do with the remainder? We nourish those who aren't there. The sick, the housebound. Those who are hungering but haven't been brought into this powerful encounter with Jesus. This miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 really points beyond itself. And the Lord Jesus addresses our great hunger. And the answer is really to hone in on what we're hungry for. It's not just bread, but God himself. That's what we yearn for. The bread come down from heaven. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be presented with this sixth chapter of John's Gospel, and we're going to be re-presented with a deep theology of the Eucharist. 
So over the next few weeks, we'll have the opportunity to examine our hunger. What do we really want? What's going to truly satisfy the yearning of our hearts? Is it really more money? More power? The ability to get our own way and make sure that everything accommodates according to our own will? Is it more pleasure that we really seek? Is that what's going to make our hearts at peace? Is the esteem of others really going to do it for us? To satisfy the true hunger of the human heart, we need the right food. How easy it is for us to feel the pangs of hunger, of pain, and to fill it with junk food. Something that's not going to nourish us, that's not going to satisfy the true hunger. The truth that's proclaimed by Christ, this great magnet of the people, is that it's God for whom we yearn. And so we need to pray that we will hunger for the bread of life. And that conscious of the great gift we receive, that we may be satisfied by the great miracle of the Mass. Let me finish with some words of St. Augustine. He said this, The Father in heaven urges us, as children of heaven, to ask for the bread of heaven. Christ himself is the bread who, sown in the virgin, raised up in the flesh, kneaded in the passion, baked in the oven of the tomb, reserved in churches, brought to altars, furnishes the faithful each day with food from heaven. You know what? In the absence of the Eucharist this Sunday, maybe we have an opportunity to get hungry to examine the restlessness of our hearts and to ask what it is that we truly seek. What is it that we're looking for? It's not a good thing to eat when you're not hungry. So maybe this is the time to consider most deeply what the yearning of my heart is so that when I do come back to Mass, when I do receive the Lord, the bread come down from heaven, that the renewed hunger of my heart and my life might be met by the miracle of Jesus feeding me with his body and his blood. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. And we finish by praying Pope Francis' prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. 
At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.